morning. We thank you at the beginning of this new year as we come to your word. Father, you have something to say to us. You want to speak to us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to teach us. Father, we thank you. There's no better place for us to be this morning, gathered in your house with your people. Father, we thank you this morning. We look forward with expectation to what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I know the kids are heading out to the back. If you head to the back, one of the helpers is there to direct you around to kids' space. Happy New Year, if we haven't wished you a Happy New Year already. Um, Athena and myself would like to say thank you for the very kind gift we got at Christmas. Uh, from the church it says we really really appreciate it it is always unexpected but we really do appreciate the kindness uh, of the church and so thank you um, we're into the first Sunday of 2020 uh, something that God had laid on my heart before Christmas as a sermon series to speak uh, to the church um, I knew it was God because when I was praying about it one morning and looking at different Bible verses. I thought to myself, this is difficult. God, would you give me something easy to speak on? And um, he said, no. He said, this is what I want you to speak to the church about because it's relevant for each and every one of us and where we are at. And uh, it sort of continues on with the build theme of the vision. And I simply got one word and it, and it was just broken. And that was it, it was just broken. And so I began to do some study and a little bit more prayer uh, just to see what God had to say. I know sometimes some of you think that it's lucky dip when it comes to uh, preaching and stuff. It certainly isn't. It says we really do uh, pray and ask God for something relevant uh, that we can bring to the people uh, because we believe that, that, that God wants to say something to us. And between what we say this morning and what we say tonight, uh, it adds up to about one hour's preaching the whole week that we do. And so we've got to make it count. Uh, and so this is why this is so important. Because, you know, as we look at the theme of broken in this world, broken things are despised and thrown out as something we no longer need. I'm sure if your house is like our house before Christmas, you have the clear out of the stuff that, that you want to get rid of, the stuff that you need to get rid of to bring in all the stuff for Christmas that you don't need. Um, uh, and we do that, and things that are broken, we simply uh, get rid of them. And damaged goods are often rejected. And as you know, I like, my, I like my offers. I like to go around the shops and get my yellow label stuff and all of that that's reduced, and you see the reduced stuff. And often it's reduced because it's going out of date or because it's damaged. And the tendency with all of us often is to throw things away, uh, to walk away, and to look for something new. And one of the things uh, that we know, and this is, this is true, that the world is full of people with broken hearts, broken relationships, broken dreams, uh, broken lives. And to us, broken things may be despised as worthless, but God can take what has been broken and repair it, and remake it into something better that he can use for his glory. See, broken things and broken people are often the result of, uh, of sin. 
And yet God sent his son who was without sin to be broken so that we may be forgiven. And so the night before he died, and we've just done it this morning, Jesus gathers the disciples. He takes the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. He went to the cross, tortured, beaten, suffering and broken so we could be reconciled to God, so we could be one with God. And it's that that allows us to sit here this morning and worship him. His death made it possible that sinful, broken humanity could be forgiven, redeemed and healed. And that's the good news of the Christian message, isn't it? Not just to make us feel better, but we can be forgiven this morning. We can be restored this morning. We can be healed this morning. We can, we can be fixed this morning. And see, without the broken body of Jesus, we, we simply could not be made whole. And surrender to Christ that leads to us being transformed and restored. Surrender more than often not includes being broken. And often at times in our lives, and there will be lots of different situations and circumstances that you have been through in your life And you feel just a little bit broken because of it. You may have the scars to show of it. Scars are not always physical. I went through a glass window when I was 14 at school. I'd have the scars to show from going through the glass window. Don't ask what I was doing. I just went through a glass window. But have the scars to show, the physical scars from being in. And and often the emotional scars, the mental scars, even the spiritual scars don't always show up. But the good news this morning is this, is that God wants to fix what is broken. And God wants to restore what has been broken. And often we come into church, and this is really the next step from where we are as a church, because we have become a church where we've said to people, we want you to come in through those doors and bring your baggage and your mistakes and your failures. And we simply want you to come and take a seat with the rest of us who are working all this stuff out on this journey called life. And that's what we're doing. And we're doing this together. So therefore, there's no exclusivity in this place. There's nobody that's better than anybody else. There's nobody who's got it all worked out. He says some of us may be a little bit further on in the journey. But everybody is here and everybody has got their own baggage and everything that's going on in their life that God is working in and God is working through. And this is really the next step of the journey that we are on as we look at how God deals with different things that are broken, all the way through Scripture, some of the broken things in the Bible and the results achieved by them. Because we're not just talking about things being broken here. We're talking about what God does with things that are broken. That's the key. I'm not here to make you feel miserable. I'm here to tell you that whatever it is that we see as broken, whatever it is that that has happened to us, whatever has happened uh, because of us, whatever has happened through us, he says the good news is God fixes those things. He says that's the good news this morning. And, And so five quick things just as we see, and different people are preaching on these over the next few weeks. We see that there was a broken jar And the ointment was poured out as Jesus is anointed by the woman at Bethany. Uh, We see, and that represents worship, that the jar had to be broken over Jesus' head, it says, and and the woman washed his feet and dried it with her hair. And and, and the broken jar symbolizes the worship. And we see the second thing, that there was a broken loaf, the bread was broke, and the hungry were fed in the feeding of the 5,000. And that, that represents a miracle. We see a broken body, and we've just mentioned it, that that Christ's body was broken 
through which the world was saved. Psalm 51, David speaks about the forgiveness that he requires from God. Have mercy on me, O God, because I'm a sinner. And, and simply, he's a broken will. His will is broke because he's realised he has sinned against God. And, and finally, and these are just examples of broken part. If you know the story of Gideon, they put the torches inside the part as they went out to fight the battle uh, for the Lord. And at the right time, they were told to break the part so the light would shine through. And, and brokenness is spoken of all the way through the Bible. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Uh, and, uh, you know, and all of those other verses. And it's so important for us to grasp that. And there were three things I want us to hold on to all the way through this series. Because God always has a purpose for everything he does. And I want us to remember these points as we approach these series. Because we are in the business and this is the opportunity that God has given. Because God wants to do something. We're at the beginning of the year. There are 52 Sundays. There are 104 sermons that are going to be preached from this pulpit over the next year. And my aim, you'll be pleased that I'm not preaching all of them. But my aim in every sermon that is preached from this pulpit. That it makes a difference in somebody's life that we're not just here just to do church. And we're not just here just to speak some nice words and people may go out and say, that was lovely today, wasn't it? We had a nice time in church. We believe in that God is going to change people's lives this year. We are going to believe God is going to fix what is broken. We're going to believe that God is going to bless what is broken. We're going to believe that God is going to do all of this for his glory. And these three things I want us to mention, to, to remember. We are broken so God can repair us. If you're sitting in church this morning and you feel to yourself, but listen, this has happened to me and that's happened to me and I don't feel good enough. And you simply say, you know what, I feel broken. Yeah, we're broken so God can repair us. And he is the ultimate repairer. He is the ultimate in fixing whatever is broke. The second thing is this, we are broken so God can use us. We must hold on to this, that, that we, are, we, we are the project that God is working on. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it talks about us being God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has prepared for us to do. And simply, we are broken sometimes because God can use us. So he, he can you put into the practice the plan that he has given for mine and your life. But sometimes that means that, that we are broken. Sometimes that means that we have to go to some places uh, that, and deal with some stuff in our lives that, that God is challenging us about. And the third thing is this, is this, and we remember this, we are broken so God can bless us. We are broken so God can bless us. There's a prayer I pray in our church all the time that God is interested in every aspect of our lives. And I pray it because it's true. There isn't anything that you're going through and anything that's happening to you that God is not interested in. God does not look at us as a sort of general living hope church and, you know, sort of fixes some of the things in a broad sense of what's going on in life. He is individually interested in every aspect of your lives, right down to the smallest thing that nobody else knows about, that you care about, that nobody else cares about. He cares about. Uh, and so those three things are going to be before us in all of the things that we speak this year, that we are broken so God can repair us, we are broken so God can use us, and we are broken so God can bless us. 
It's a wee illustration to start with. And in Japan, they made an art out of restoring broken things. It's an ancient practice called, I better get this right, Kintsuki is the name. That's not sushi, that's what they do with the jar. And it says, meaning golden joinery to pat in with gold. And simply what they do is this is when, they, when something valuable or precious cracks or breaks, that they repair it. Now what you and me would do is we would look for the nearest super glue or gorilla glue and try and fit it back together before the wife gets home. That's what we would do. It says, but what they do here is this, this ancient practice is what they do is they, they repair it with gold that they repair it with, with, with gold. And, and so what they do is they highlight what's been broken. They highlight the cracks in the, in the jar. And I thought this was amazing. And what they do, the reason they do it is this, is because it brings a whole unique beauty to the original piece. It, it lets people know something has happened to it. It lets people know that, that, that it's been broken. And when I thought about this, I thought, you know, when things break and if we're feeling broken or we have been broken, we as people tend to try and hide it. We, we, we tend to try and put a, a face on it and pretend that everything is okay. And between 11 o'clock and 12.30 on a Sunday morning, everybody is fine. They are. Because you ask people, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. The rest of the week, lots of people are dealing with different struggles and different challenges that come their way. And often the things that we've been broken by, we, we try and hide. Because we don't want people to see that we've, we have failed. Or we have made mistakes. Or, or, or we are broken. Or we did let our guard down. Or we did get hurt. And so we don't like to show any of that stuff to, to each other. Or if we do, we only like to show it to a couple of people that we're extremely close to. But I love what happens here because, you know, it reminds me of what God does in our life. You know, that, that he doesn't just simply repair us to make us like new. He does what happens here, which is it's repaired to be better than new. And I thought that's a wonderful picture of what God does with me and you. That he doesn't just repair us to make us like new, but to repair us to make us better than new. And I thought all those cracks, they tell a story. And when we are broken, he restores and repairs us. Not to be, as I say, as good as new, but better than new. We're not simply patched up, trying to hide our scars and what life has done to us. We have them on show as to what God can do with the life that has been broken to him, that actually our story is always an encouragement to somebody else who's going through whatever it is that they are going through. Because we have the scars and we have the breaks and we have the things that we have struggled with. But there is also testimony in those breaks and cracks of what God has done in our life in fixing us and repairing us and using us for his glory. That's why I think this is such a great illustration this morning. Our brokenness adds value to us because it's a picture of God's repair job in our lives. All the way through scripture, there are people that fail and God uses them. There are people who mess up and God uses them. There are people that make mistakes and God uses them. There are people who get it wrong and God uses them. And we must remember that, not just this morning, through everything that we're doing. God is not looking for perfect people. If he was looking for perfect people, I would have no right to stand on this pulpit and preach this morning. 
but neither would you. Because God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for a people who he's done a work in their life. He's looking for people who have been broken and he has repaired them and fixed them and is now blessing them and using them for his glory. You hold on to your story because it's something that God is going to use. You hold on to what has happened to you because your story, your scars, your breaks tell a story. But we're going to take a look at one character uh, this morning just in the time that we've got left because over the next few weeks as we look... We will be looking at different aspects of scripture. And so we're going to take a look at Jacob from Genesis 32, beginning at verse 22, if you're following along. But the words will come in front of you. And it says this, it says, That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. In Genesis 32, in this story, the context was this. Jacob was returning to Canaan in obedience to, to what God had, had told him to do. But it means he would have to come face to face with his brother Esau, who he had cheated 20 years before out of the birthright. Just to give you an idea of who Jacob is, I suppose the best word you could use to describe him was he was a chancer. He tricked everybody. He believed that he had the right to certain things and so he simply tricked everybody into what he had. And he'd done this with his brother Esau 20 years before when he tricked him out of the birthright. Basically simply this, that the firstborn was the most important, was the most important. And Jacob had tricked Esau out of that. But God had challenged Jacob to go home. And so Jacob's messengers came back and said that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. Jacob froze with fear because he knew that Esau could easily wipe out everything that was of value to Jacob, including Jacob. And he simply prays his prayer. He says, oh God, deliver me from Esau. The problem with Jacob is this. He was dependent upon his riches, his livestock, um, his choices, everything about him. He was the one that was simply dependent on himself. I suppose the description you could best use of him is he was the sort of person that walked into a room and he had what we call today swagger. 
which I think he's the one that walks in the room and suddenly he's the center of attention. He's the one there with his chest out. He's the one with his shoulders swinging. He's the one simply that everybody, he expects everybody to look at. He's simply dependent upon himself. But, but God has another plan for him. God has a plan all along of what he's going to do in, in Jacob's lives. And so we pick this story up here in these passages. And this story really teaches us one thing. Uh, and this theme that we're looking at of brokenness. And it's this. That Jacob teaches us that God must break us out of our self-dependence. Whatever goes on in our life sometimes. We are happy to try and work it out ourselves. And then hand it over to God. And often when we hand it over to God, we take it back again and we try and work it out ourselves again before we realize we can't work it out and then hand it back to God. It says all of us, including myself, is we believe in our self-dependence. As a matter of fact, we want to give God the token gesture sometimes of saying, God, we said a prayer. Or, or God, we read a Bible verse about the situation, the circumstance, the life that we are living. And God is challenging Jacob here that he needs to give up his self-dependence and go to his dependence on God because God has a plan and a purpose for his life. But it's going to take Jacob to be broken first. It's going to take Jacob to wrestle with God all night. It's going to take a circumstantial situation that he has to uh, go through, endure, so he can be done, so he can be used by God. You see, we, 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 we have a generation today. And when I talk about a generation, I'm talking about not just the younger ones, I'm talking about the generation of Christians today. And our problem is this, we, we want God to do something here to make us successful. And we want God to do something here but because we think it's all about loving and worshipping him. But there's not a big queue, there's not a big line for those who want to be broken by God. So he can fix what needs to be fixed. So he can bless what needs to be broken. Sorry, so he can bless and so we can be used for his glory. There's not always a big line. Uh, and we actually sometimes struggle with the sort of stuff that we read here and the challenge that God gives through this story. Because Jacob comes to a place called Jabbok. And Jabbok simply means a place of passing over. It also stands for struggle and a place to, to empty and pour out. You see, and all the place names that, that God meets people in at Scripture are always relevant. They, they always, there's always a point to them. And Jabbok is often called the Valley of Brokenness. And, and it's a place where, God, where, where Jacob had to meet with God, that he simply had to come and do the business that needed to be done. You see, Jabbok was a tributary of the Jordan. It was part of the Jordan River and it was a lonely place. Jacob has to go out on his own. It was one of the things we must understand with brokenness. It's only something we can do ourselves with God. You see, if we talk about the Red Sea, the Red Sea is great because there's a big crowd and we're all going over the Red Sea together because it speaks of the deliverance of God from, from our enemies and we all rejoice at that. If we look at the River Jordan and we think to ourselves, it speaks of the promised land. Uh, we love to, to do that together because it speaks of the promised land that we all go over together. But this place, the Jabbok, it's a lonely place. It's a solitary place. It's a place where only me and God can do business, where you and God 
can do business because God wants to break something in us as individuals. Uh, and that's what happens here with Jacob. It's what's here and, and we see it. There was nobody there. There's no counsellors. There's no friends. He sent everybody away. And here he is on his own doing business with God because God wants to do something. You see, what Jacob didn't know and what we often don't realise in situations is how God goes about helping us. Last Sunday night when we, we sung the song Another in the Fire, I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as they're put into the fire and they'd said that statement that, you know, we'll not bow down and worship your God, Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, we, we, we worship only one God and even if that God doesn't rescue us, you know, we're still not going to worship your God. But then I thought about it, I thought, as I prayed for God's deliverance, God could have just turned the fire out. Could have just turned the fire off. Could have just turned the furnace and they wouldn't have burned. But he didn't do that because God wanted to teach them a, a lesson that, that we look at and we think of that we think it would have been easier for him just to turn the fire off and say, you're delivered. And he didn't. He made another promise that he was with them through everything that he goes through. And this situation is the same here. That, that what we have in mind is that God would somehow remove Jacob's problem or simply make Esau go away. But God often doesn't do it the way we think it should be done. God often does it a different way. He answered Jacob's prayer for protection from Esau by, by wrestling with him. By, by wrestling with him until morning until he was left limping. You see, Jacob always had a plan of how he could escape. He thought to himself, he thought, if I send my family over already and put them in one place and I stay here, if they, Esau comes and attacks them, he says, at least I'll be able to escape. So God simply does something that just says, you'll not be able to escape. And he says, he just simply touches him, the hip bone. And he simply just cripples him at that point that he's not able to move, he's not able to walk. That Jacob now is totally dependent on what God is going to do. You see, the way God helps us is by breaking us out of our self-dependence so that we can lean totally on him. And it's in that way we can properly receive his blessings. Our problem is like this. We all too often want to use God and his blessings to further our own ends. All his life, Jacob had been using God and people to get what he wanted for himself. But now God brings Jacob to see that you don't use God, you submit to him. When we submit to God, he blesses us. You see, the very place of breaking for Jacob was the place of blessing. And maybe for this year, the challenges. And this is where the challenge comes out because it's that message that comes through. Maybe there has to be a place of breaking. Maybe there has to be a point in our life that we come to and say, God, whatever it is you need to do, God, I surrender. God, if it means you breaking my self-dependence on myself, God, I, I give you permission to do that. I submit to you to do that. What does Jacob do? He takes hold of him and says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Do you know what our difficulty is sometimes? We let go too easily. We let go too easily and say, God, I'm not letting go until you deal with this. God, I'm not letting go until you break me, till you bless me, till you use me, till you give me the answer. God, I'm not letting go. 
And we've got to hold on sometimes because we've, we're a generation and I include myself in this. We let go too easily because it is too easy because we can just come back again and put a worship song on or, or listen to a sermon on YouTube or do all of those things that are so easily accessible. And we've forgotten sometimes what it means to have a struggle, to have a place of breaking with God, to have a place where we're throwing ourselves at the feet of God and saying, God, if you don't answer me, if you don't come through for me, nobody else is coming through. And there isn't an alternative. There isn't a plan B. I'm holding on to you, God. And I want you to bless me and I'm not letting go until you bless me. And we've got to find a place of breaking in our lives where God challenges you and me, where he says there was some stuff in your life you've got to deal with. And for me, it's going to be different for you. For you, it's going to be different from the person sitting next to you. But God wants to do business in mine and yours life this year. I told you it was a tough message. The first message of the year to simply bring to you because and it's not a tough message because I want to say something tough. It's a tough message because I believe God is going to do something amazing in the lives of people this year when we submit to him. Excuse me. The very place of breaking became the place of blessing. There's a biblical pattern here. It says Moses was chosen by God to be the saviour of the Israelites. But he had to spend 40 years in the desert. Why? Because he needed to be broken. It says Job lost everything. His family, his livestock, he lost everything. Why? So he can learn to depend on God and get his answers from God. Where did he go to? That place of breaking. Joseph was thrown in a pit and then sold to the palace and then ended up in prison for 14 years. What was the 14 years in prison for? It was a place of breaking. Paul thought he had it all together with religion, with following the law. And then God knocked him off his high horse one day on the road to Damascus. Why was a place a breaking? There was a biblical pattern that goes through the lives of people in Scripture where God leads them to a place. And, and he breaks them because he wants to use them. He breaks them because he wants to bless them. And he breaks them because he wants to repair something in them that's broken. You see, as we come to the conclusion of four quick points as we finish, the most important lesson after his encounter with God, he never walked the same again. What God did in his hip that caused him to limp was a reminder of what God had done in his life in the place of brokenness. It was a reminder. He said, there are things that we carry with us through life that we're consistently asking God to deliver us from. But some of those things, some of us are carrying all the way through life. Why do we carry them through life? Because it means I've got to depend on God. He says, God is not doing a work in my life to make me self-dependent and self-reliant on me. He's doing a work in my life so I depend on him. And that may be sometimes I've got to walk with a limp or I've got to walk funny or anybody, something has happened to me that people look at and they say, you know, he's been broken by God. God is using him. God is blessing him. He says, it's not about the image that we get it right up here and think he's got the image right. 
So therefore God is using him. It's not. He's got the limp right. He walks funny. He talks funny. He looks funny. He is funny. There's something about him that I don't think that God would ever use. But God is using him. And that's the message that God has given for each and every one of us as we try and work through some of the stuff that's going on in our lives, saying, God, why did this happen to me? Why would I have to deal with this? Maybe that's the thing that you've got to carry with you through your life because it makes you dependent on God. And God may never give you the answers, but you might not need the answers. You just might need to know the assurance of his presence every day as you surrender and submit to him with the things that you have to carry through your life. The second thing I see is this, is where everybody recognised he had a different walk because he had not only been broken by God, but blessed by God. You know, when we get saved, it has to change us. It's as simple as that, like. I know that states the obvious, but often at times there are people that make that decision. There's no change about them. Just something maybe just make their life a little bit easier and stuff. Listen, our, our decision to follow God has to change us. God does something in our life that makes us different from everybody out there. It has to be like that. So in your workplaces, your universities, your, your factories, your schools, the communities that we live in, there has to be something different about us. There has to be something. We, we can't fit in because we're not designed to fit in. We're designed to stand out. And you see, we stand out. So when people look and say, what's different about that person? He says, well, they've had a, an encounter with God. He says that they walk differently. He says, you know, sometimes you can tell people by their walk. I hate walking with my three. See these three down here. Every time you go anywhere, they, 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 they bomb off at 100 miles an hour. He says, and they, they treat me like I'm something special, to be honest with you, because I'm a, I'm a stroller. You know, see me, I'm out for a walk. He says, I like to just take it easy. That's what it's about. He says, not these, it's a mission trip. You know, in the sense of we've got to get made to B, to C, to D, as quick as possible. But you can tell people by their walk, how fast they walk, how slow they walk whether they walk and, you know, the different style of walk. Some people have got to run everywhere. Some people have got a plan when they go anywhere and they say, we're doing this at 10 or we're doing this at 11. Don't the least was born. And they're doing it. It's their walk. Everybody recognises by their walk. He says, everybody has a different walk. But you see, if I'm going to walk somewhere, I want to walk somewhere, so I don't walk into the room with swagger. We're chest sticking out, going, I'm here. <laughs> Good job with the wall, Becky. Right. <laughs> Walking, chest stuck out, I'm here. He says, and everybody says, oh, well, it's all about him. It's all about, look at him. It's... I want people to recognise the walk I have with God. That above all else, so I don't care what everybody else thinks, whether he's got swagger, style, image, I don't care. Like it says, what I want people to recognize is I walk with God. So when I go anywhere, anywhere, people will recognize he walks with God. Something about him that's different. Not different for the sake of being different, but different because he walks with God. That's the walk I want this year. The third thing, quickly, because my time is nearly up, is this. Jacob ends up with a limp. Why? Because I've shared this already. Because now he needs to cling to God to get anywhere. I wish God would answer all the prayers that I have my way. I do. If I had one prayer, it would be that. 
So when we pray for people and we're praying and they're sick, that they don't die, that they get better. That's a reality. I think we would all be like that. I says that's the, the thing. That when I pray, just simply not anything to do with a lack of faith or anything like that. My prayer is that God would always answer my prayers. Not yours, but mine. He said, that's the way. But you would have that same prayer as well. That you would want God just to answer your prayers. Just we pray and God would answer the way. But it doesn't work like that. I wish it were like that. I wish it didn't have to stand at places sometimes with no answers and no explanation because the things that we prayed for, God hasn't answered the way we thought he would answer. I don't know why that happens, but it just does. But I do know this. It forces me to depend and cling on to God. And see, Jacob just simply does that for the rest of his life. He simply has to cling and depend on to God. And for us this year, whatever's happening to you, to me, to our church, that's the, the prayer that we have in our brokenness, excuse me, that we cling on to God. That we wouldn't have all the answers, that we wouldn't know some of the stuff that's going to happen and the way it would work out. But our prayer would be that we would simply hold on to God because he may not always give us the answers and the explanation but he always gives us his presence and his assurance and his comfort and his peace and his strength and his hope and all those other things lined up that God gives us so he ends up with this thing why because now he's got to cling to God with everything that he goes through that God if you don't if you're not there for me to hold on to I don't have anybody else God, if I'm walking with the limp now, but if you're not the crutch I hold on to, then, then I can't get anywhere. And, and, and for Jacob, that's his prayer now. In his brokenness, that's his prayer. And the fourth thing we see quickly is this. God doesn't cripple him to hurt him. He cripples him to bless him. So often answers that question that lots of people have when bad things happen and the rough times come. The why question. Why? Why, why, why me? Why am I going through this? Why has this happened to me? And the, the lesson I learned through the life of Jacob is this, is God touches him and he doesn't touch him to hurt him. He, he touches him to bless him because God understands more than anything what Jacob needs. And so in touching the tendon, in, in simply causing him to, to be crippled, for want of a better word, to cause him to walk with a limp, God understands what Jacob needs better than anybody else. There may be things that happen to you in your life and you may think to yourself, why has that happened? Why am I going through this? In our brokenness, in the things that are happening to us in our life, we always have to hold on to this, that God knows better, that he just does, God knows better, that he's in control. Ashley sung a song this morning about the sovereign God. And, and, and the words of that song as it's sung, it simply says, you know, that the God is sovereign over you and me, that we can't always have the answers and the explanation, but we do always know this, that God is with us. And he simply does this to Jacob so he can bless him for the rest of his life because Jacob now has to hold on to God. And my prayer this year and my finishing thought is this, at the beginning of 2020, as we go forward with these 12 months, is this. My prayer is not that our gifting would increase. Prayer is not that, that you know, we would receive the anointing of the Spirit in a greater way. And all of that is so important. But my prayer is this. That in all the times that we go through this year, the valley, the mountain, the good, the bad, 
we would hold on to God because God is holding on to us. And we remember that in everything that we do this year, the giftings and the, the anointing and the great nights that we do and stuff will all happen. But in your individual circumstances and situations, my prayer is that you hold on to God. Hold on till he gives you the answer. Hold on and don't let go of him. Hold on till he blesses you. Hold on till he fixes you. Hold on till he uses what's happened to you in your life for his glory. That would be my prayer for the church today. That's my prayer for us as we go forward in 2020. The team are going to come and join us up on the platform because my time has gone. But we just simply want to pray. Let's stand to our feet as we come and pray just at the end of our service. Let's take a moment just to close our eyes because we're here. And for each and every one of us, there will be something in our lives that God will shine a light on. That God wants to do within you and me. And for you, it might be that you need something fixed or repaired. Maybe for you, it might be that you're broken so God can use you. Maybe it's for you, you're broken so God can bless you. Maybe you have a situation and a circumstance this year that you're going through now. And God has not given you the answer yet. And the answer may not yet come, but you still hold on to him. And Father God, we pray for each and every head, their eyes closed this morning at the end of our first sermon of 2020. And God, as we heard around the table this morning, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. That God, that we believe that you have something to say to each and every one of us. And every time somebody stands up here in this pulpit and the Bible is open, we believe you are going to speak to us, Father God. That you are going to give us something. And we believe that, Lord. Because God, we just come and we simply come to you this morning. And Father, we say thank you for the work that you've done in each and every one of our lives so far. But Father, we believe there's more. We believe as you come and you repair us and you bless us and you use us and you fix us. That God, we believe you have so much more for us. And Father, for that we say thank you today. In Jesus' name.